Hi, I'm Elena, and this is Utah, the Wild Wacky West, where you can get all of your weird history and legends specifically about Utah. We'll be covering topics like Brigham Young, the monstrous bear Old Ephraim, the shocking Mountain Meadows Massacre, Highway 666, and much, much more. Today, we're going to be talking about the legends surrounding Mount Timpanogos. So, if you don't know, Mount Timpanogos is one of the most famous mountains, mountain hikes, in Utah. So, it was, we're going to get into some of the history about it. It was formed about 340 million years ago, and it's made of limestone. Um, it's got it, there's a couple different ideas of how it's got its name. So one idea is that it got it from the Timpanog Native Americans, and they were either a subgroup of the Shoshone or Ute. Um, they lived around Mount Timpanogos at the time, so they might have been the reason why it's called Timpanogos. Um, another reason could be that it is named after Lake Timpanogos, which is now known as Utah Lake, and the mythical river that flowed out of the Timpanogos to the Pacific Ocean. And that river was called the Buenaventura River. Um, and early explorers thought that they could use it as a highway, a river highway, to get from the like central west all the way to the coast of California so they could use it as a trade highway but they found out real quick that it did not connect all the way to the ocean. The mountain itself is located in the Uinta Wasatch Cache National Forest and it is considered a national monument. It's the second highest mountain in Utah's Wasatch Range its elevation is 11,752 feet, so it's way high up there. Um, it actually has a snowfield on it that never melts, and people consider it a glacier. That's what they call it. They call it Utah's Glacier, but it technically isn't a glacier because glaciers have to move to be categorized as one, so really it's just a snowfield. But it is there year-round, so many people go up to hike to it um, and take pictures in the snow in the middle of winter. Um, it's one of, again, it's one of Utah's most popular mountain hikes, and it offers cave tours during certain months of the year, and it has three linked caves. They're all made of limestone, and they have Helectites, stalactites, and stalagmites. They're really beautiful formations. So there's actually 12 different versions of the legend of Timpanogos. I'm only going to tell you about two because they're the most popular two. Um, but all of the stories center around a love story. And they're very Romeo and Juliet-esque. Um, they're usually from two different tribes. There's this tragic death at the end. Um, and the stories originate from 
the actual outline of the mountain. So the mountaintop, if you look at it from a certain way, it looks like um, a woman laying down. And inside the caves of Timpanogos, there's a large stalactite that's called the Great Heart. And it does look like an actual heart. It's a little weird. Um, but the legends have... So the legends have actually inspired tons of different forms of art. They've inspired a ballet, an opera, parts of a symphony, and then hundreds of poems and songs. And lots of the poems and songs and books can actually be found in the visitor center that's right at Timpanogos, um, like at the base of Timpanogos. They have books filled with poems inspired by the legends. So going into the legends, the first version was actually written by a BYU student. Um, he was, his name is Eugene L. Roberts, and it was published in a BYU magazine in 1922. So his story kind of became, um, well, he had an obsession with Mount Timpanogos. He actually started a spiritual pilgrimage every year where he would get thousands of Mormons and they would walk up the mountains and they would sing songs and do stories. And this was one of the stories that came out of that. Um, so his story was the story of Utana and Red Eagle. Um, the, so let's go on to the story. Okay, so his legend wasn't about a specific Indian tribe. It was just, he just called them, it was just a native tribe. So every year in this specific tribe, a sacrifice was given to the god Timpanogos. And um, it was a sacrifice for fertile land, basically. So they would have a good year of crops. And one dry year, extremely dry year, they believed that the god was angry with them because they weren't having a bountiful year. And so all of the eligible girls in the tribe were blindfolded and um, had to choose a pebble out of a basket. And of course, the chief's young daughter, Utana, chose the black pebble. So, she was the designated sacrifice, and she climbed to the top of Mount Timpanogos and prayed to the god that he would accept her sacrifice. Um, on her journey up, she actually passed a different tribe who were in the woods of Mount Timpanogos and had settled there for the time being. And there, the son of the chief of that tribe, Red Eagle, had seen her passing by and followed her up the mountain. 
And when he saw her kneel down and pray, he realized what she was doing and emerged from the woods where he was watching her and begged her not to jump. So because he just kind of came out of nowhere, she actually thought he was the god of Timpanogos. And so she went along with him and believed that he was the god and they actually lived in um, the caves of Timpanogos, the limestone caves, for many, many years. And one day when Red Eel was out hunting for their food, he actually got attacked by a bear and was gravely injured. And because he was supposed to be a god and gods aren't, um, they're not human, so they wouldn't be able to be injured, she, of course, found out that he wasn't a god. And so she stayed with him and took care of him until he became healthy. And then she went back to the top of the mountain to complete her sacrifice. And before Red Eagle could get to her, she prayed and jumped off the mountain and died. And Red Eagle watched the whole thing, but was unable to do anything for her. So he actually went and climbed down to where her body was and carried her back to the cave where they lived together for years and um, laid her by a like mirror lake that was said to be in the cave and their two hearts were turned into one. And um, that's why you can see her outline in the mountain because she died. So that was his version. The other version was the Nes Nez Pierce Timpanogos version. Nez Pierce were a, in a Native American tribe. And this version was actually the version that they used to make into a ballet, which still plays today, actually. Um, so, their version said that the Uintas were living by a silver lake, and they were bountiful in fish, they had really good years, they had an overabundance of fish, more than they would ever need, and then there was another tribe that lived in a different area away from them called the Nez Pierce. Their tribe were filled with great hunters and they worshiped the great spirit like most Native Americans did. And each year they would climb to the top of a mountain that they called the Great White Throne to worship him. So the story revolves around Timpanac. He's the chief's son. And one year the Nez Pierce had a year of really bad famine. So many were killed and Timpanac's father, the chief, became so ill that he wasn't able to go and worship the great spirit. So Timpanac went in his place to go worship. Um, but while he was worshiping him, them, 
the great spirit told them to go or told him to go south because there was a tribe there that was would trade his furs for fish so he went south and he brought many like beautiful furs because their tribe were great hunters of course so they were able to get furs and he found the Uentas and traded the furs for fish and there he met the Uentas chief daughter Yukonagos and he was instantly in love with her she was instantly in love with him and before he left he gave her a beaded headband and she gave him deerskin gloves just kind of as saying i like you here's a gift you know how it goes so a couple years later years well years go by and Yukonagos is old enough to marry and instead of marrying who her father chose which was usually how it went she asked the chief to conduct a contest for all for all the men who wished to marry her so she could hopefully marry Timpanac. And she actually sent a rider to tell Timpanac to come when the pussy willows bloomed and to bring 20 fat ponies, which was the entrance fee for the contest. So actually, Yukonagos made sure that Timpanac would, would be able to come because she pushed snow onto the pussy willows every day so they wouldn't bloom before he could show up. So the day of the contest finally came and an Arapaho, Arapaho, a Shoshone, a Ute, and a Hopi brave came and they called all of the contest members braves because they were the brave men who entered the contest. The contest. And Timpanac finally arrived, but he arrived last last with very thin ponies and people were instantly they instantly disliked him because he had thin ponies and Yukonagos kind of obviously was into him so he wasn't very well liked from the start so the contest had three parts to it the first part was an endurance test to and they made him run around the silver lake or they made the contest braves to run around the silver lake that the uentas live by and during the test the arapaho actually fell and drowned in the lake and the other braves the other contest members all believed that timpanoc had purposely pushed him in even though it was an accident so when they got back from the test, Timpanoc was immediately bound with rope and put in the chief's tent. And everyone tried to decide while well, everyone was trying to decide what to do with him. During that time, Yukonagos actually came and freed him and told him to take one of their ponies to run away and be free because she was scared they might kill him. But he said that he wouldn't run because it would be dishonorable. And because of this 
it, it kind of was in his favor because the chief decided that he wouldn't they wouldn't punish him too severely but he would be disqualified from the contest and when they disqualified him he declared his love for Yukonagos and she declared his love for him he yeah and so I guess it doesn't really say how but I guess they decided that he could do the contest because they were in love with each other so they might as well give him a chance um so the next test came and it was a hunting test to prove that they would be able to feed their wife no matter what because they had to hunt and find food without any weapons so the Shoshone was able to get a rabbit and the Ute got a pheasant. The Hopi came back with a deer and Timpanok actually was gone for three days during this trial, but he got a buffalo that was so large he wasn't able to carry it himself and it fed the entire tribe. So he obviously won, it was a very big deal. Um, the last test was a climbing test to the top of a mountain where Yukonagos would be waiting and the first one who got to the top of the mountain would be able to claim her as their bride. So Yukonagos was really confident in Timpanak because he had to climb mountains all the time because he would yearly to worship the Great Spirit. So he already had um, great climbing efforts a great climbing effort so she wasn't super worried about him but the contest was supposed to start when the moon was like at the highest point in the sky but the Ute and the Shoshone actually started sooner than the contact than the contest said and they were waiting for him on a ledge when um, when he finally reached there so he climbed up and they were there waiting for him and they actually push, pushed Timpanak over the ledge and he fell to his death. So Yukonagos saw what happened and she started weeping, great tears, and they never stopped to this day. People say that her tears still fall down Provo Canyon and they actually call this Bridal Veil Falls. And since she saw what happened, she threw herself off the mountain, praying to the Great Spirit to join her and Timpanak's soul together in the beyond. And the Great Spirit was watching, and he they were so saddened by this that they joined their two hearts as one and hung it in Timpanogos Cave, where the Great Heart comes from. And um, they also put Yukonagos to rest on the mountaintops for eternity. And some people still call her the Sleeping Maiden. That's the outline of the woman in the mountains. So yeah, that is the legend of Timpanogos. Sorry, it was kind of a short one, but it was my first, so go easy on me. And I hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening.